Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. Welcome to Exploring Missions, and we praise God that you're with us today, and we hope that you will be blessed. And uh, we're praying that that God's blessing is not only on you, but your family. And uh, as we get into what we'll be discussing today, that your blessings will be passed on to others because while God is working in your life, can I also let you know he's working in someone else's life? And when those lives come together, what a difference they make. Nathan, um, I love to use this connection. God's the one that connects all the dots. He yes. connects all the people at the right time as well, doesn't he? He does. He does. And he, he uses anything and everything, uh, good experiences, bad experiences, uh, our obedience, our faith, but also even the faith of others and um, just things that we maybe can't track or comprehend at the time, God is working. Um, and He's bringing about His His purposes in our lives, but also for the whole world. And uh, we're more connected with others on, on another part of the world than we're closer than we, we think we are. You know, uh, a few years ago, I was, I was ministering and you shared with me, said, Dad, uh, today's generation is video dependent. They they need to see some things. And, uh, you know, not just here. Now, radio has its effectiveness. But when it also, with radio, you can imagine things as well. It's like me. Uh, they hear my voice. And when they see me, they said, this is not what I imagined you look like. And I, I, Are they disappointed? The, yes. I don't ask them. I don't ask them. <laughs> and uh, so I say, okay, I know you don't have to go down that. But beautifully broken is both a book that you can read but also a movie that you can see and today nathan would you let us know a little bit about our guest and god's how god's using that well um and now now we we've got them on the radio so you can hear it too so uh, we're we're honored to have with us uh randy hartley and randy is uh the author of the book beautifully broken uh he's not the actor in the movie but you can see his story, and uh, I'll let Randy just uh, introduce yeah. himself and our other yeah. guest. And Sure. Well, we're blessed today. I co-wrote the book with my friends William and Abreli Moisewa. Uh, they were our friends who had escaped the genocide from Rwanda and became our neighbors. And, uh, Bert, you, you mentioned earlier connecting the dots and the way God did, did it. And, and our story is absolutely about connecting dots from across the oceans. So William is here. You might say, hello, William. Hello, my name is William Wizerwa. The reason Nathan and I asked, you know, Randy to introduce you is not William. We could do that, but that other, we could not say that as well as you. So I appreciate it, brother. Wizerwa is a name from the book of John Banya, The Pilgrim Progress. Yeah. It means faithful. Okay. Yeah. Amen. I'll call you William Faithful, and uh, that way we'll be on. But we is good to have you today. Now, is yeah. that uh, in Kiriwandi language? Yeah, it's in the Kenyan okay, language. Okay, very good. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. I don't. That's that might be the only word I learn in Kiriwandi, but yeah, there you well, go. Well, okay. 
let's go to the book first. Sure, sure. Uh, when was the book written? So the book is just written and actually it's just coming out uh, March 29th. So it's actually okay. we're in pre-release right now, and and uh, but it's it's coming out March 29th, and it tells the full true story behind the movie. The movie came out 2018, and with any movie, you have to kind of streamline it and blend some timelines and blend some characters. And while it's a powerful movie of truth. The book is really, I always say it this way, the, the, the movie was, our heart was in the movie. Our heart and soul is in the book, telling yeah. the full story. Uh, I've heard that before, Nathan. Yeah, you can use your words, you know. And, yes. And uh, I don't know, there's sometimes a book and a movie are so far apart that you wonder what's happened here. Right. But uh, this is interesting that the movie came first and now the book. So that's, that's well, going to be it, good. Well, it happened that way because um, I'm a financial planner right outside of Nashville. And one day I met a man in my office who was a media minister. And we started telling stories and ended up not getting to investments, saying prayers. We did a documentary in 2014 called Through the Valley okay. that won three national awards. That got movie people interested in it. I see. Um and so we did it backwards from most people. We did the movie, and then we felt like we wanted to tell the full story. In the well, movie. that's mm-hmm. biblical. The last shall be first, and the first yeah, shall be last. Right. There so you, you go. just translated it into that area. So, Randy, yeah. is there a place where our audience can go to maybe the documentary, the, sure. the film, the uh, pre-order the book or something like that? No doubt about it. We're using Amazon as our primary right. source. So you can go to Amazon.com and just look up Beautifully Broken DVD or Beautifully Broken Book. Okay. I will say there's multiple people that use that name. So if you say Rwanda or Randy, you'll get there a little bit quicker. Okay, gotcha. uh, but but they're both there on, on, on Amazon on both of them. And, and as I say, they do tell the same story. Just the book is more the, the truth and the full right. story of how God can connect people from Rwanda and Nashville and how's that whole thing happen. You know, when that happens in a book and a movie and I read the book and I say, oh, that wasn't mentioned in the movie. Yeah. You know, it, the book is more thorough. Yeah. Well, can you give us a yep. synopsis sure. of, uh, I yep. guess, a bird's eye view and going through mm-hmm. that? So yep. we want people's interest to yes. be peaked. Yes. And uh, it can be used missionally. Absolutely. That's what this program is, Exploring Missions. No question. And, and Nathan was telling me about this, and I said, yep. yes, let's do it. Right. Because missions is amazing, what God uses to reach people. Well, and, and I would say that's what this story is all about. So in a quick thumbnail, I'm a financial planner. I'm not in the movie business, hadn't been an author, but I was just a financial planner raising my kids in the suburb of Nashville. I thought life was going great. And uh, my middle daughter in her teenage years just started down a dark spiral. And I was a desperate dad trying to save a daughter and didn't know how. And uh, in exasperation, I came home from work one day and there was a letter there from our Compassion International child at Mahosa, who we had started sponsoring 10 years earlier, who was the same age as my daughter. Okay. Well, when I got that letter, I thought, that's it. I'm taking my daughter to Rwanda. And I tell people all the time, God knows why I thought that was an answer, but God knew why it was an answer. And uh, the problem with it was, how do I get to Rwanda? How am I going to make this happen? And so my friend William and Abrali Mazerwa had come over from the genocide and become our neighbors as refugees uh, earlier. We got to know each other because our sons were the same age. So I called William and said, I need to take my daughter to Rwanda. How we make this happen? Can you help me? <laughs> and in one of many, many miracles through the way, his wife, Briley, was leading a mission trip back to Rwanda that summer. Okay. So we paid for Briley to come with us, go to Rwanda. We learned so much more about the Mazera story. She led us out into the little village to meet the little girl that we'd been supporting. And I can tell you more about that in a minute. But but I always think it's fascinating in hindsight how God could take a financial planner from Brentwood, 
a fellow who had escaped with his family the genocide, who were forced to leave, guide us back to a family whose father had been a perpetrator in the genocide, and tie all those three families together through in, in a redemptive way. And so our book isn't broken. If it was broken, I'd try to hide it. It's beautifully mm -hmm. broken. Broken's a chapter, but it's not the title. And only yeah. God can take that brokenness, like he does throughout the Bible. He takes broken people, and he, they use their pain, and it becomes their passion, and, and that's how you make a difference. I hear that, and there's a Bible story that comes to my mind, and that's Joseph. Mm -hmm. Oh, in without Indonesia, a question. With, with malice and I mean, everything yep. uh, being sold saved his life because mm -hmm. the brothers wanted to kill him, you know? Yeah. And uh, but God is able to deliver and and connect. And he yeah. did. I mean, when I when right. you were sharing that, I said, yeah. oh, that makes me think God. God does it for good, doesn't he? I would say Joseph is a perfect example of taking someone in their deepest brokenness. And the thing is, the reason we did the book is there's a lot of people out there. that are feeling broken and they might feel stuck. And what we wanted to do in telling our stories was how God can take that brokenness. Uh, Briley Mazzara has a great, great saying. She says, God wastes no pain if you let it be your passion. And so take the Mazzara family who came here with nothing. I'll never forget, William started a ministry for refugees. And when he gathered a few of us together, he told us, he said, guys, I should have died multiple times in 1994, but God saved my life. I view the rest of my days on earth as a loan from God. And I'm going to spend the rest of my days repaying that loan. And so they started a ministry in Nashville called Legacy Mission Village, where we serve now over 12,000 refugees. Wow. And that was an important part of our story because my daughter's deepness, what I didn't know at the time and what I discovered later was unfortunately my daughter was molested when she was 12 years old at a public park at a Fourth of July celebration where you wouldn't have thought that trouble would find you. But I've come to learn evil can find you anywhere. And we have a God that doesn't necessarily say, I'm going to keep evil from finding you. What he says is, I'm there with you when he does, and I can lead you back out of it. Mm -hmm. So when I made up my mind to take my daughter to Rwanda, I said, you've got to pay for the trip. And here's how you're going to pay for it. You're going to volunteer at Legacy Mission Village serving <laughs> those refugee children. And my daughter later in her testimony will tell you, she viewed herself as worthless because her self-esteem had been shattered. She thought she had no worth. Shame is a bridesmaid of evil, and it keeps you in that dark spot, and you start believing those lies that I, it was my fault, I'm not worthy, I've got nothing to give. And as much as my, her mother and I could pour in our love into her, it was like water through a sieve. But she'll tell you, when she went to Legacy Mission Village and started serving those kids, she went the first day because I made her, and the next thousand days was because she loved it. Yes. Because she said, they started coming up to me and saying, Miss Andrew, we love you, we're glad you're here. And she thought, how can I be worthless if these kids want me? I, I do have value. And, and William made a comment. He said, it's their brokenness that connected them. They yes. could sense each other's pain. Even though they might not have known each other's story, they could sense that, and it, it created a connection. And, and Andrew was hooked. I mean, she came back from Rwanda. Her senior year, she quit cheerleading. She volunteered four days a, work, a, a week at Legacy Mission Village. William, you used to say when you would leave the office, she would be on the playground playing with the kids, and she'd say, Andrea, go home. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but it really did make a difference. And, and that's the other thing I'm evangelical about is how helping others leads to healing. Uh, because I think it makes us look outside of ourselves. And I'd go so far as to say that helping others is kind of the glue that helps put those pieces back together. And William can speak to the work that they've done at Legacy Mission Village and serving refugees much the way that, that uh, he had been a refugee. Yeah, we'd love to hear that, Mr. Williams. So you said you 
you and your family came to the U.S. in 1994. Is that right? We came. I mean, we fled the country during the genocide. Okay. We ended up in Kenya. And then four years later, I came here. And this was a miracle because we were 99, almost dying. Mm. God saved our lives and our kids' lives. And we came here. Uh, We talked about Joseph. And God gave us the mission. He gave it to Joseph. Yes. So we are rescuing other refugees. You know, life here is not easy. That's right. So after trauma from walls and from refugee camps, coming here is another trauma because we change the language, we change the culture we have to adjust in this country. So we help them to go through. And we praise God, everybody is getting it well. We mm-hmm. saved many lives, we changed many lives, and we are happy that they are serving the nation, they are serving their families and the communities. Yeah. Amen. One of the things I was always struck by when William came here, when he had finally, he came here three years not knowing if his family could make it. Right. About a thousand days, because he got a special um, asylum uh, ability to come in. It was from faith, and he prayed and fasted for seven days before making that leap of faith to come, and then the family came. But one of the things William, you told us was that he saw some of the lost boys in the Sudan yes. and thought, if those were my kids, who would care for them? I need to be their father the same way I want someone to be the father to my kids. And, uh, and they have served uh, just tirelessly serving those others. But it goes back to God wakes no pain by taking that pain of what they went through and putting it into action um, yeah. made a difference in their lives. It certainly made a difference in my daughter's life. I think it's important that um, when we speak of uh, whether it's resettled refugees or just new Americans in general, that um, Christian Americans have a responsibility biblically to welcome the yes. stranger. Uh, and and it's, a, it's not easy for people to, to adjust to a new culture, a new, a new life. Uh, so it's, it's an important thing to welcome people. But I think it's really incredible that God would use you as a new American yourself, someone who is also a resettled refugee, um, Mr. William, and struggle, you know, have a lot of struggles that you've gone through, then to turn around and help those uh, with the same experiences. And just like you're talking, Randy, that's yeah. what God does. He, he, he puts, what was it, your, your phrase about the, the pain that, uh, yeah. and the brokenness that we use, right. that God uses? Well, he wastes no pain yeah. if you let that pain become your passion. And, um, and the other half of the story, or that, to, to me, what makes it just truly divine is that when they led us back to Rwanda to meet the little girl that we'd been sponsoring, uh, I had always been told that her father had been in jail. And yet when we went out there to meet her the first time, they came walking out of their hut. This was in 1998, uh, 99, and out came her father. And I thought, well, compassion must have got that part of it wrong. But when we met, being translated through William's wife, O'Brien, the man told us that he went to jail in 1994. When, when his daughter, Omahosa, was two years old. Okay. That was the year of the genocide. He just got out of jail one month before we got there. That was 2009. Rwanda had what they call the Great Reconciliation. Yes. That if you were a minor perpetrator and you confessed to what you did and asked for forgiveness, think about that as governance, that they let you out of jail. So I don't really know what he was involved, but it's fairly certain it was something to do. But nevertheless, what he said is when I went to jail... I prayed to God, who's going to take care of my family? How is my family going to survive? 
And he looked at me and pointed and said, and God sent me you. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting here thinking, I've blown it. My daughter's life is a mess. I didn't even know why I was in the back hills of Rwanda. And yet when my family was falling apart, we were keeping his family together. And then he went on to say that in Rwanda, you name your children after birth, much like in the Bible. And oftentimes it's an aspiration or or an inspiration. But he said, we were afraid we couldn't have children. My wife and I tried and tried and didn't think we'd have children. But then we had our firstborn girl, so we named her Amahosa, because Amahosa means the Redeemer. Mm. And I just thought, God, (laughs) you didn't send me to the back hills to meet the tall and the beautiful. You sent us here to meet the Redeemer. Mm. and I, it was never lost on me that a family who had to flee the genocide led us back to the family they were helping, whose father went to jail because of the genocide. And yet, the reconciliation and the forgiveness and the brokenness, is the way he used it all is just divine tapestry. It's just the only way I can describe it. Hearing that, and I don't think it would take long, but how did you become a sponsor? Now, the reason I want to ask this is because a lot of we have been, and we are now, at sponsoring a child and uh janie and i prayed okay we want to do this and they gave it but sometimes people do it haphazardly right but god doesn't let us do it haphazardly does he you know Bert, it's phenomenal you say that because to me that's part of the most divine inspiration of the story is that my wife and i had gone to an amy grant concert 10 years prior and they said look under your seat there's an invitation to help (laughs) compassion and you know, we filled that out not knowing that 10 years later that that became part of our redemption story. And that's where I say, it's like in the Bible in Luke where they talk about sowing seeds and you sow mustard seeds. Those pamphlets that were scattered under those chairs were like the seeds that had been sown. <laughs> and some fall on weeds and some fall on rock. And I'm going to tell you, our pamphlet fell on fertile ground. And it was a little girl named Amahosa. And it was that journey that 10 years later we were called to do. And, and that's where I began to realize, you know, sometimes you feel like, well, God, what have I done? Where are you? He's not gone. He's just gone before you, and he's laying a path that you just can't yet see. And one of the things we tell in our movie and in the book, I think that's, that's um, hopefully helps people, is sometimes it's not convenient. Sometimes you, you're not through going through your pain. I know when we were going through it, you know, it took four years for my daughter to reveal. And in hindsight, that's nothing compared to William and Bradley who went through the genocide in years apart in years in Kenya. But God will deliver you. You but just God, have to stay faithful. You have to God. stay faithful. Yes. How, how many times in the scriptures did it say, but God? Yeah. And if it doesn't say it, it infers it. Yes. God comes, and I can't get over these names, faithful redeemer. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> and, and, our yeah. redeemer is faithful and Absolutely. true. Is that it's See, kind of fits, if Hollywood it? made this up, they would say there was no way yeah. the man who led you's real name is Faithful, and the person you're seeking's name is Redeemer. <laughs> the funny thing about that is when well, the first time I met William, I told him that we were sponsoring a girl from Rwanda named Amahosa, and all you told me, William, is you said, that's a great traditional Rwandan name. <laughs> but he didn't tell me what it meant, and it got revealed to me only later when we went to the house uh, for it. And that's really just the beginning of it. Since then, my daughter came back. She's lived in Kenya for seven years. Oh, wow. um, she went and worked in Mission Field. And, you know, I wanted to go where God calls her to go. And a week from Sunday, she's moving back home. 
You know, it's a dangerous thing to say, Lord, this child is yours. Take them where you want them to go. Amen. And uh, <laughs> Amen. I've had people say, how could you let your daughter go there? And I said, she hadn't listened to me since she was 12. So <laughs> she's on her own now. She's certainly not now. Maybe, um, and both of you can, can speak to this. Um, maybe there's a father listening who is struggling with, um, you know, issues in their family, whatever mm-hmm. they might be. Might be general, might be something specific that we couldn't even guess. Um, could you speak, uh, both of you, speak to the pain of a father trying to uh, do what God has called you to do uh, for your family and how sometimes it f- feels impossible? Mm-hmm. And, and what, where do we go with that? I mean, <clears throat> my time as a father through the war was unbelievable. Seeing death surrounding you, looking to... The last one, my wife was pregnant for five months, and the youngest was just 10 months. So taking care and protecting the whole family, we have five kids. So we had four kids and the pregnant mom. Protecting them was a big challenge, but we prayed. I can't say we use any other method or any other power. We prayed and the guy to get out get us out of there. We went through all countries and finally we came here. The big deal we had, I had, because my mom got killed, my dad got killed, and many siblings and relatives. Mm. I came to know who killed my mom. She was not killed by a stranger. She was killed by half nephews, if I can say. They adopted the sister, kids, as one who killed my mom. Mm. Was not easy to forgive and to forget that. So God gave me an opportunity. I went back in 2011. I went to see my mom's grave. Driving back from the yard grave, I was with friend family in the car. I saw one of my mom's friends. I stopped to greet her. She told me the story. That was devastating. Yeah. I was not about to sleep. This whole spirit speak to me. I went back to see her. It was tough and, I mean, suspicious. And, I mean, communication was not easy. But it worked well. So we embraced each other. She became... I brought her back as my half-mother mm. and reconciled. I watched her feet to make her sure I'm not there for revenge. Yes. That's the end of the story and the movie. So as a father, that's the legacy I want to leave to my children. Not only my children. That's why we call Legacy Mission Village. We grew up in a village, and all refugees went through the same stories. Yes. Many lost their beloved one through other people. So our mission is to call people for reconciliation. Our mission is to call Rwandan for reconciliation. Some knows us, some know me, some know the family who killed my family. So we need reconciliation before we depart from this earth. Wow. That is a mission of fathers. 
and William, if I might add, if you missed that, when we were there visiting his mother's grave, my family was in the car when we turned the corner, and William said, that's my mother's best friend. And she, again, quote, just happened to be walking out of a little hut <laughs> right. when she revealed that it was his adoptive aunt. And to put a little more on that, William's family had been from one the Tutsi family. She was an adopted Hutu girl. I see. That's why she survived. And to come to find out that the one that had been raised by his family that had fed William when he was a boy, it was her family that turned on his family. Yeah. And yet he went back and forgave her. You talk about a Bible study. When he comes back and tells you these stories, it's powerful. The other thing I tell, tell dads is my story is not nearly as, as deep as his, but a lot of your listeners might relate to the fact that you know, my daughter was a lost soul by evil finding her. And I would have thought that my family was one where my daughter, if something had happened, she would come tell me. And one of the most devastating things I found out is she was afraid to tell us because she thought she might get in trouble and she thought she might disappoint us. Yeah. And so my prayer is to dads out there, be explicit in telling your children that your love is unconditional, that there's nothing they can come and bring to you that will break that bond. And it's biblical. Our father tells us, let me carry your burdens. There's nothing you're going to tell me that's going to break my love for you. Yes. And as dads, we need to tell that to our kids. That is unconditional. Come to us with anything. Let us help carry your burdens. I thought that was implied, but it wasn't. That, that really hurt me. Not that my daughter did anything, but that I hadn't made it explicitly clear enough that when she was molested, if she'd come at 12 instead of 16, she wouldn't have been listening to those lies for four years right. and ruin it that way. But I will tell you, it was modeling his behavior in that forgiveness. Because sometimes the hardest person to forgive is yourself. Yes. And modeling the Mazira's behavior of being able to understand what happened, but know that power of forgiveness. And that's what sets you free. It doesn't really set the person you're forgiving free it's as much as it sets yourself free. And, um, and it's able to move on. Mm -hmm. uh, another quick story is William went back to visit his aunt, his adoptive aunt, or step-aunt. And she said two years later that her sister-in-law had been in the house when he washed her feet and forgave her. And the sister-in-law asked her, what would make a man do that? And his adoptive aunt said she was Muslim. And she said, come with me and find out. And started going to church with her and converted to Christianity. Yeah. <laughs> so William says, if you want to know why we forgive, we forgive because it saves souls. Yeah. And that's so our greatest is. mission. It's That's a, all in the book, Beautifully Broken. <laughs> it's in the movie, Beautifully Broken. It's wow. a divine thing. You can see that how yeah. these stories got woven together is just a miracle. Yep. Nathan, before we go, I just want to say what I'm hearing is a, a book and a movie about relationships with fathers and their children, relationships with others, God's sovereign desire to bring forgiveness and reality into yes. people's lives, all bound up in one Sounds a little bit like the Bible's message, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, the the best word for it is beautiful. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, I, what other? I, it's hard for me to describe right. just hearing the story, um, and it's obvious why you need a book and a movie to be able to be able to try to tell that. So we want to encourage you guys to listen uh, that are, that are listening to to check out the book, beautifully broken. Uh, when does it release? 
the all movie's right. out now. The, the book comes out March 29th, and there's actually a study guide that goes along with it. It's all on Amazon. So beautifully broken. And again, say beautifully broken Rwanda or Randy or William, and you might get there a little quicker, but you'll find it. Very good. So we've been glad to have Randy Hartley and William. Help me with your name, Mazunge? Mizerwa. Oh, that was way off. Faithful. Faithful. Faithful, <laughs> Faithful William. Amen. And we serve a faithful God.